Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, welcome back to the afternoon here on Monday. You're watching Ausbiz, of course. Australia's only live streaming business and markets channel. Great to have your company for the next hour on a program we, we refer to as The Call. Uh, we uh, take 10 stocks that you've suggested, you've emailed or tweeted into us. I put them to an expert panel for their adjudication. It's a lot of fun. We do it all in 60 minutes. Certainly got the A-team today. Gaurav Sodhi from Intelligent Investor, Maitan Somersandaran from uh, Deep Data Analytics. Afternoon, gents. How are you? Nice to be here. Thank you. Um, yeah, I love. We have got such a good range of stocks, mm, yeah. and so many of our viewers are targeting both of you with individual questions, which I love. Good and bad. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're getting in the swing of it, so it's fabulous. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, good and bad. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's 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 always good to get that kind of a spread. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's always a few I got. The hell is that? Yep. Yeah. And then you learn yep, from yep. it. But yeah, you know, I, I love the fact that there's always new ideas. And yep. I love that we can do. I think we've been doing this job for more than a decade each, right, yep. Nathan? And and there are you can look at a stock code, and there's a little bit of, of joy and excitement when you don't recognise it. Yeah, and yeah. That's yeah. one of the things I love about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And often, the little gems come up, which yes. is terrific. Uh, this first half hour, yeah. uh, these are the stocks that we're going to be covering. Uh, Latitude and Terrace Technology, Mount Ridley Mines, Auckland Airport, and Zip, which is uh, pretty topical today as well. So good suggestion there. Uh, I always come up with the stock of the day. I thought we'd take a look at Samfire Resources because I think Mathan's a bit of a gold bug at the moment. So we'll see what he thinks of the Samfire result. Slashy its dividend despite a 24% rise in half-year net profit, reaffirming group guidance for both copper and gold uh, in fiscal 2022. Commenting on its future operations, company says it will be phasing out the Degrusa production in WA after quarter one 2023, but will be scaling up copper production from its Botswana mine. Um, shares dipping into the red this morning, down 2.5%. Uh, Nathan, uh, Samphire Resources, I think last week you were saying that you quite like Samphire Resources. It was on, on your list. Yeah, look, it's it's done well. Uh, on the momentum, it's, yeah. it's doing well. Um, it's probably not your best copper play. I mean, no. it seems like, you know, when we talk about copper, it's just Osmin and then the rest. All right, so this is more a copper play than a gold play, It Sanfire. is, it is. Yep. Um, and to put it in context, I was actually doing this on the weekend, exciting lifestyle. Um, <laughs> copper on a 12 month performance, copper is actually underperforming gold. Really? Ah. Yeah, you wouldn't have thought I that. I would have thought that. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, yeah. and the other one that'll shock you mm. is actually even oil is mm. the outperformance of oil over copper, I mean, sorry, over gold has been shrinking. Mm. So we look at it in the context of growth commodities versus right. uh, safety commodities. So gold against oil and copper tells you what's happening on the growth sentiment. And that's been coming up. And copper actually tipped into February slightly below. And I assume after today, February data will be a negative one. Yep. And that's the first one for a number of months. So that kind of tells you where the cycle is. Mm. Um, so copper is doing well. And I think longer term picture for copper is great. Right. Um, and we don't have a lot of high quality copper players. Mm. Now, we get it through the big boys. Outside that, Osmin by default. Um, I think Sandfire, look, it's patchy. Um, and it's one where you go, yeah, it's, it's, it kind of reminds me a bit like Newcrest. You just know every so often they're going to have something wrong. Uh, but look, I think it's okay. I think it, it, you know, we are in a commodity cycle, inflation cycle. I think in the shorter term, you're going to see growth downgrades coming through. And that'll weigh on commodities and it'll right. probably come off a bit. But then it'll recover because I think inflation is going to be elevated for longer than what people think. And copper is going to play into the cyclical play as well as the thematic play of what was happening with EV and so forth. So in that context, I am pretty positive on copper longer term. Um, and also the other thing, um, and I can ramble on, but the 
Mining services. Oh, we know that. Oh, we <laughs> do. Oh, yeah, yeah. boy, so do we know that. The capex data with the big miners actually have been negative <laughs> yeah, growth. That's right. Yeah. So there's no one yeah. really doing a lot of work. So the yeah. context of lack of supply is going to be okay. an issue. So longer so term, you I'm like copper. Do you like samphire? Um, not at the moment. I, right. I would say I, if right now it's a tough part of the cycle, I go to the best guy, which is Osmin. Right. But I think this is one where yeah, I'm accumulating a few copper plays. For this, when the cycle is right, to go back into them, and I think Sandfire, look, they're in the right place. No matter how uh, you know patchy the record is, when commodity is doing really well, you're going to be there. So right. it's one on my shopping list, but not right now. Okay, if you're in it, you'd hold it. Yeah, I think you're hold okay. On, Just or? expect there's going to be weakness. I okay. suspect in the short term you'll get some weakness. Great. Yeah, tricky one. Um, I remember when the Degrusa mine was first discovered. Um, <laughs> Uh, been doing this for a long time. Yeah, that was a, a magnificent discovery. Yeah. This company has done a splendid job. They were a tiny producer, uh, explorer, when the Grusa was discovered, and full credit to them. They m uh, developed and mined mm. um, and maintained a pretty large and complex ore body for what, more than 10 years, and they did a great job with it. I think that's absolute kudos to management, and they probably deserve the benefit of the doubt going into Botswana, which I'm not entirely convinced upon, but they probably have to do something. And copper is very difficult to find. Everyone is looking for copper deposits. Mm. Um, grades internationally have been declining for about 15 years or so. Even Escondida, which is the world's biggest copper mine, yeah. their grades have been flattening out. Mm. I think they're now oh. less than 1%. It's a big problem around the world. Huh. But copper is recyclable and there are substitutes for it. So look, I'm a bit cautious on copper. The prices are high, enthusiasm is high. Um, Nathan's correct when he says capex spend across mining is low, but everyone's looking for copper. Oh. Copper is the, probably the, one of the things that is really popular at the moment. And in my experience, look, we have a wonderful track record in mining at Intelligent Investor. Anyone can go have a look at it. It is, it is magnificent, something we're really proud of because value investors typically don't go there. The reason it's so good is because, um, well, here's the secret actually, David. The secret is that uh, investors it, it, we take advantage of investor irrationality. Right. And it, it's not that investors are irrational, that's the opportunity, it's that they get irrational at the same time. Right. So you really want to be in, in mining when, um, you know, at the extremes, you want to be out at the peaks and you really want to be in there when there's a lot of pessimism and there's a lot of ir right. irrationality. Yep. This is not that moment. Right. I don't think there is a great moment for copper at the, at, right now. We don't hold any, I don't hold any copper plays. Um, if you don't own coal in your portfolio and you're a non-ethical investor, mm. if you're a nasty sin stock buyer, mm. uh, I don't know what you're doing. Um, that is what you need to be owning at the moment. I still think energy... Even at these levels? David, Whitehaven is uh, three bucks. If this was any normal sort of market, it would be nine, ten, maybe twelve dollars. Um, it is. It, these are stupid prices. And for not coal. admitting anything, but taking a close interest in coal, <laughs> they paid off half their debt. Yes. Yeah. In the last half year. It's a fifty percent. Fifty percent free cash flow yield. Massive yeah. cash flow. And the next it's one, and the next half is going to be even better. Anyway, this is not about Anyhow, gold. I'm just no. saying that that there there's a time for every commodity, I, I think you and it's it's in in the trough. Yeah. He's right. You. It's like agri stocks. It's like any mining yeah. cyclical stock. You buy it when nobody wants to touch it. Yeah. Mm. Copper, just Google it. Everyone likes you know, it. Okay. That's the problem. All right. Uh, Alan wants a view, Gaurav, on Latitude, um, mm. the financial group. Alan says, uh, I had a nibble at $2. See, they're following you guys. Yeah, nibble. This nibble that, that's strategy. That's more thing. I've, I've used uh, that too. Yeah. Uh, I'd mm. love to hear the opinion of my favourite analyst, Nathan and Gaurav. No, Nathan Do the poor. Uh, <laughs> I'm retired. Mm hoping for dividends mm. plus growth. Mm. Latitude Chief Executive um, achieved a brilliant turnaround mm. at Australia Post, I'm a four. Uh -huh. uh, perhaps he can do the same. Here is Latitude's 7.8% fully frank dividend, too good to be true. I'm no expert, what am I missing? Hmm. This is a really tricky one. Uh, um, yeah, I know the numbers look really good here. Yep. The P looks good, the yield looks good. Koshi, there are two things that I just do not, I think are highly overrated phenomena. Um, the first is hair. <laughs> and the second I is- agree. I did not see that coming. <laughs> I thought you might agree with me yeah. there. And the second, a PE in yields. Right. Um, you cannot invest successfully just by buying low PE stocks and high yielding stocks. Yeah. 
um, they are just traps more often than they are opportunities. Um, so when you see one that's unusually high, and this 7% should actually start ringing alarm bells, really, right. it, it is too high. Mind you, coal is 50%, so there are exceptions. There are exceptions. Latitude's an interesting one, is it? Took a while to get listed. Yeah. Markets haven't been we, um, sort we, of convinced on it. We covered it during its second attempt at listing, and our analyst yeah. at the time called it the worst IPO float he's ever seen. Yeah. He's ever seen. And there was, I must admit, it was uh, quite atrocious. I mean, they, they provided incomplete financial um, information. They steered investors towards cash profits, which um, excluded a big proportion of important costs. Yeah. Every single person on that management team at the time of IPO, except the CFO, had been in the job for less than a year. Yeah. It was a PE float, yeah. um, and the CEO was massively incentivized to get the IPO yes. done. He was going to make $22 million just for listing the company. Completely inappropriate incentives, in my view. Um, so all the things were lining up. They were warning signs, and right. from what I've seen, I don't think anything has really changed in this business. This is still a business that's highly, highly dependent on installment payments. And the regulations have completely changed for installments. Um, a retailer, a salesperson can no longer sell you uh, an installment plan on the retail floor. Yeah. It's now a financial product and you have to go through a whole lot of hoops to do it. Right. That's gonna crush their earnings. And they've now moved into these buy now, pay later, just as that mm. sector is, being, is imploding. Yeah. I, I think this is, Look, this is not a terrible business. It's the old GE Capital. There is a lot of cash coming through. They do make money, but in my view, this is a highly cyclical business that is pretending to be a growth business, and okay. this is the wrong time of the cycle to be buying it. Maybe. Sell. Yeah, look, uh, you know, it's always sad to agree on the first time, <laughs> but yeah, look, it is, it mm. is one. Um, I actually know I haven't followed because for the very first time, not personally, but he, when he first came from the US, he came in as the head of um, Citigroup, Australia, Australia, right, okay. Australasia, and I was there at that time. And You've been everywhere. I can't yeah, think I of know, a shop you haven't worked at. And then he went to NAB, and then he went to Australia Post, and he's at Latitude. Not that I followed him. Um, but um, interestingly, a lot of the, he's very good at picking the thematics. Yes, he yep. is. Yeah. So a lot of those stocks did well, or companies did well, because the thematic is on the right side of that side. This is the first one where he was late to the cycle. And Graf's right, you are late to the cycle. Um, I don't, look, buy now, pay later is probably um, going through that reality check. It went through it at pandemic, it's going yep. through it again. Uh, the good ones will come through, the bad ones will get blown away. Um, then buying that now after an underperforming IPO float with KKR owning nearly 70%, mm. um, kind of doesn't, excite me mm. um, it's a sector that's going to do well when the economy does well mm. and consumer spending is doing well and we're not in that cycle I think okay. it gets tougher so All for right. me latitude is one Mind where you. you go you know sit back and wait you want to see numbers beating expectations and I think it'll struggle over the next couple of years okay all right, Paul Mather wants a view on Antares Technologies. Uh, Paul says they have an aortic valve that's supposedly far more superior than what's available at the moment, lasts longer without calcifying. Mm -hmm. um, heart valve, human trials are continuing to have, show great results. They hope to have approval for their product in 2024. Market cap 220 million um, in a $10 billion industry. If the trials are successful and approvals granted, how would you value the company going forward? Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yes, tell us. Obviously, yeah. obviously, Paul's a fan. Yeah, yeah. Paul's He's a fan. Sort of giving yeah. us the great look, elevator pitch on it. Look, look, the trials, yes, it's a small number, but mm. that was pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. the thing is, you can't, uh, you can't just bag it because if they do what they're doing and it, it, that promotes this thing, blue sky, right? There's a long yeah. way to run. But all of these things we all know comes with risk, takes a long time to do, um, and someone has to you know, fund the cap raisings while they do this. Yeah. Um, look, I, I'm, not a, I'm not gonna be a technical specialist to tell you whether this is effective or not. Um, they've done what they've done, it looks like it's working, um, it's, it's looking like it's in the right area, but it's, it is tough, and I have to say, you are looking at potentially, look, and then there's a potential merger with the SPAC. Mm. That always kind of, worries me um, and it's it's got the blue sky that gets people interested yeah. um, so if you've been there uh, my logical assumption where the market is and I'm you know I'm obviously negative on the market so in that context you've got to manage risk 
I'd take probably 30%, 30, 40% off the table. Yep. And if you had the run, see what happens. So take um, profits. Yeah, take some yep. profit and then see what happens. If you are new to the um, stock, I'm not jumping in right now because yep. everyone knows the positive news. Market is patchy. These stocks tend to struggle in a bad market. And over the next month, you probably will get it cheaper. Okay. I had never heard of this before. Um, I think it's a recent float, um, but yep. it's absolutely fascinating. I went down into the weeds on this one. I thought it was really interesting, fascinating tech. And yeah, um, yeah I, 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 I'm interested, <laughs> but right. I can't really buy it. I just yeah. don't know enough. And it's it looks, um, well, what's really interesting is that the, the, the heart valve tech is getting really good, making really good progress. They're quite early on in, um, in from where they want to go. But um, there are two large competitors. Each of those, I think, are 100 billion each. Whoa, and wow. they both have expressed interest in this little tiny Australian tech oh, yeah. business that no one has heard of. And I think that's really fascinating. You've got these yeah. really big giants, a potential um, important innovation coming from a tiny company. This could be a yeah. really lucrative um, bidding war at some point. I, I would hold it. Um, just because it could be an interesting, but you can't look. There's no investment case here. I, I can't it's tell a, you why you want to buy it, but yeah. it's, it's fascinating. It, it and, is. It is. Know. The technology is. It's interesting. It's, it's a great mm. technology, and so far the numbers look great, and they've mm. done well. So it's hard to get negative on it. Yeah. But you know, when you're trying to value, it's like oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a pie in the sky. Yeah. So it's just a risk management thing. That's, That's right. That's why I said That's take right. 30, 40 percent off. Yeah. You've had a good run. Ride the rest. And a small part of your wrong. portfolio. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a specy yeah. side. And you hope it succeeds. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, Sumit wants a view on Mount Ridley Mines. Uh, Gaurav uh, says it's undertaking exploration of a significant deposit of valuable clay-hosted rare earth elements mm. in WA. The company claims this style of deposit is only mined and processed in China and Myanmar. Uh, questions, is it worth investing in this stock? I don't understand how it matters and how it creates value for the company knowing the style is what, what they do in China. I wasn't aware that uh, this is what they did in China. So yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about that. But there is no doubt um, in terms of geology that uh, it, it's called an ionic adsorption. Um, what happens is that the rare earth elements stick to the clay. Ah. Um, and um, otherwise you have a... That makes it easier to mine? It makes it a lot easier. Clay is usually at the surface. So the, the alternate is that you get, um, you get the rare earth element kind of trapped inside rock. Right. Um, a bit like gold can sometimes be trapped inside um, like a, a rock and it's quite yeah. difficult to extract. And because that rock is often deep in the ground, you have a big, even before you start doing anything with processing, and that's where the risk and the, the cost lies with, with rare earths, just the sheer mining exercise to get out of a rock deposit, you have to dig yeah. um, a lot more, you have to crush a lot more, uh, whereas the clay deposits, um, they're shallow and you don't have to dig as much. Um, but because you have this, uh, these, this loose connection to the clay, the processing is a lot simpler as well. So you don't have to do the conventional uh, processing circuit. You can take the, uh, the mineable uh, stuff and you can chuck it in a separation yeah. unit straight away. So look, it, it, is a, it is an important cost distinction. I, I would say it matters. It certainly matters. It's a good sign. By itself, it's not an, a reason to buy this stock. It's not an investment case. Often you find clay-hosted deposits are lower grade. I don't know what the case yeah. is here, but um, there are trade-offs. There's no such thing as as the perfect like the thing. Perfect yeah, yep. um, there there are trade-offs. But but certainly um, I would rather own a, a clay-hosted um, rare earth deposit than a hard rock deposit. It just makes the processing and the mining cheaper and easier. Right. So it's a good start. Um, the rest of Mount Ridley is just very early on. I got to say. Um, $500 million. It's a, it's a lot of money for an early stage mine. Um, but look, if, if, you're, if you're interested, this is off to a good start. Mike, I, I would mm -hmm. say the geology is good. The other important distinction about clay-hosted um, deposits is they, they don't typically require the, um, the solvents that create radioactivity in rare earths. And that's where the big problem with processing rare earths comes, is because you end up with radioactive waste. Linus in Malaysia, that's where they got into trouble because they had radioactive waste floating around in Malaysia. Yeah. Very low radioactivity. It's not, it's not super dangerous, but um, it still registers and, and it requires a lot of regulation and care. Um, you don't get that with the clay stuff. Typically, yeah. you, you typically don't get it. So it, it is good. 
You can hold it if you like. If you're interested right. in this stock, it, it's interesting enough. You can hold it, but I wouldn't be buying it or holding it. I, I think there's other interesting stuff. <coughs> coal. <coughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> I love the coal. Uh, just on um, yeah. Antares uh, AVR, mm. their cash burn yeah. puts them, they've got cash for one year. Okay. Uh, right. So they only, well, either need to, to do a deal or there's a cap raising coming. Right. Okay. So just keep that in mind. Yep. Um, look, Mount Ridley, it's a tough sector. I, I could, rare earth is always hard. And you just don't get a lot of play. What, 50 mil market cap, illiquid, you get the usual plays, risk in it. Um, it's a punt. Um, and if you like the commodity, it's probably one you're willing to take the risk in. It's not, it's not for the faint-hearted. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's just a hard sector to pick, the winners. Yeah. You know, everyone just defaults to um, Linus because you just go, yeah, they've gone yeah. way, way down the path. And They're so far ahead of anyone else. Exactly. Really. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's the easy option. Mm. Uh, but look, it's just a tough one. But if, if you're willing to take that risk return, it doesn't look too bad. I think it's worth the punt. But yeah, just accept the fact that you know, in this kind of market, it could be highly volatile. And it's not, it, it, it's not, like, there's, it's such a complex area that you're, a lot of your economics come from the poor portion of um, rare earths actually come out of your stuff. And um, Linus is so attractive, it's, bec it's because the, the, the highest yielding rare earths dominate their, um, their solution. Right. Yeah, you have to sort of look, break down what, the, what these guys are actually spitting what out and, and, and what it's worth, yeah. So hold it as well if you're Yeah, look, if you're a high risk investor, mm. uh, I think you hold it, okay. uh, but it's not for the, right. the average person. Um, Raymond has a, um, a good question as well. He's um, just sold out of Sydney Airport, of course, as every mm. shareholder was. Uh, so he's sitting on a lump of cash uh, he's a long-term holder of Sydney Airport. He's looking to park that money somewhere now. Is Auckland Airport a good option, Nathan? Or uh, lots of Sydney Airport shareholders will be yeah. sitting on. Mm. They get, do you just sit on the cash or do you stick it in Auckland Airport? Oh, look, right now, I don't think that's a bad thing to sit on cash. Um, yeah. But look, I think Auckland International Airport, for me, on a risk return before the Sydney Airport's bid, was a better... Uh, risk return okay. than Sydney Airport. So my view on Auckland International Airport is it's a property developer as well as a uh, okay. infrastructure player. For so those people who don't know, Sydney Airport was on leased land. Auckland Airport owns the land, does it? So exactly. they can build so the IKEAs on the out. And the whole uh, right. you know safety, clean tourism play mm. for New Zealand yeah. is phenomenally mm. effective. And so in that context, I don't think that's you know in a recovery cycle they should do well. Okay. And our Auckland International Airport should do better. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if someone comes and you know bids on them as well. So mm. you know, that's your uh, left field event. But at the end of the day, you look if you're looking for that kind of particular safety long-term asset, I think Auckland International Airport is a great asset. Okay. I, I'm more than happy if you're looking for that. Yeah, it's interesting. We did exactly this. So um, in our funds, we had a big chunk of Sydney Airport, yep. um, and we got a big chunk of cash, and um, I, we harvested some of that in, back into Auckland. Um, for sort of similar reasons to what Nathan is saying. It is okay. a wonderful asset. I suspect it is a bit cheaper than it ought to be because yeah. New Zealand has been extremely aggressive with their COVID response. Yeah. And you don't really have that clarity about... Like WA, a they? bit like WA. A bit like WA. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We, we say disapprovingly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they have been very aggressive and there's no, not, not much clarity about when that stance might change. Yeah. And we don't know whether that's damaged the attractiveness of New Zealand. There's, there's a few more unknowns there compared to what we had for Sydney Airport. But to offset those unknowns, as Nathan says, you've got, what, a three billion property portfolio that's valued sort of at cost. So you, it doesn't even include the development potential. I think if they development, developed um, that three billion dollars of land, you probably the land value alone would cover the, um, would cover the bulk, like sort right. of 90% of the market cap. And you've yep. got this fantastic operating airport as well. I still think it makes sense. I, I think that's a reasonable suggestion. I would okay. do that. Yeah. So you invested rather than staying cash? Yes. Oh well, part of it. We still have um, cash, but we had a we have a lot of cash in some funds. So right. um, some of it went to uh, okay. Auckland. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, uh, Brett wants a view, and also Lucas on Zip. Uh, Brett says Nathan conjectured that ZIP could be a takeover target along with the subsequent short squeeze. Since that time, ZIP's declined 40% and the only engagement has been with the similarly impaired Sezzle, which today it launched a bid for Sezzle this morning. Um, Nathan must have lost a lot of money. 
on his because his buy-in was so high. Has his view changed? It's turned into that's your QBE <laughs> slash. <majority>. Yes, <laughs> it's, 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 it's the emotional damage. Yeah. Um, to put it in context, yeah, you and me. Uh, yes, we we got in after he pulled back. I think it's about 60 percent from the peak, um, and it's gone even lower. And yeah. everyone's taken a bath on it. But in context, in our model, we had a fair amount of US shorts. And Zip was, after the pullback for us, was the risk mitigation strategy. Yep. So Zip gave us the, the growth bounce, where the, the shorts gave us the growth downside risk. Um, so in that context, yes, we took a hit on Zip, which kind of covered us on the shorts, so it was, wasn't too bad. But look, nobody likes to lose money. Um, for me, Zip here, you're, you're back near, I mean, they've just oh, raised no. some money. You're back near the pandemic lows. Um, and for me, the, the buy now, pay later at the end of the day is, you can always question the model, and I used to, but the government's allowed the model to um, go through the economy. Yep. It's too late to pull back. Now, they, so in that context, I think they're going to be part and parcel of the model. Everyone wants to build a brand, it's hard to build. I think where Zip is and the amount of, sorry, the spread that it has around the world makes it an interesting model, right? Okay. Uh, valuations, obviously, a lot cheaper than what it was. There is a fair amount of shorts, 11% shorts in it. Mm. Um, and for me, where it is, as the economy opens up, Zip will do better. Okay. It's just a play on the economy. Now, um, yes, financial tightening, but I think it's still going to be part and parcel of it. Sizzle deal this morning. Yeah. yeah. And then also there's talk of uh, read in the financial review today a raise that yeah. mm. going around yeah, fund managers about, last week. Yeah, it's about a, uh, I think hundred mil, hundred mil shares. I yeah. think yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's out of about six hundred mil shares. Yeah. So it's a decent dilution. But I had a funny feeling that this was already in the market. Right. So the last two three weeks selling was my feel was the uh, guys the who were holding the. Guys who were holding the shares were leaking it into the market right. because they were going to get it on the raise at a lower price. Right. So by bashing it down, they right. get a lower price. Right. They get it cheap. You mean they knew ahead of time? Oh, I think oh, I'm just suggesting Shocking. that uh, if, if you look at really? the trade, you probably oh never happens. Shocked. Oh, never happens in our market. <laughs> so whenever a stock is mm. underperforming uh, at very low prices mm. with the potential cap raising, you know that it's on the way. historically. So right. my guess is we're probably near the lows because. Those guys who will take the shares and then yeah. they'll go back into the market. And so you'd buy at 222? Oh, look, I'm, I'm positive here. I think in the shorter term, if the market falls, this will get hit. Right. But I think in six months, nine months down the track, I think we'll be higher than where we are. Okay. So. Oh, look, I'm a, I'm a buy. buy I'm a buy. Right. This, is, this will be the classic. Yep. It's a nibble. So a you nibble. buy it over the okay. next month, you'll be fine. A nibble. nibble. You know, I, I think. Um, investors generally, and I think retail investors um, more specifically, aren't all that haven't really created enough comfort with losing money, yeah. and I blame a lot of that actually on Warren Buffett. And I'm going to do something sacrilegious here and criticise um, um, Sir Warren. Um, you know, his rule number one: never lose money. I think that has been a great disservice to investing generally. I mean, when you think about what you're doing, and he's lost a fair bit, and he's lost a fair bit too. Yeah, it's it's a it's a really silly thing to say, and yeah. it's a silly idea to try and, and live out, never lose money. You know, it's it's um it's it's a impossible. And when you think about what you're doing when you're investing, um, you can't invest without someone losing money. You I mean you yeah. if if you think you, if something is worth buying, you have to buy it off someone who's going to sell it to you. So they think it's worth selling. Now in that transaction, someone's going to lose. And it is incredibly arrogant and unrealistic to think that you are never going to be on mm. the losing end of that bargain. Um, and you know, often what separates uh, poor and good investors is not how great your stock picking is, it's your ability to deal with losses. And losses will happen and you have to kind of just accept them. If there's a lesson, learn the lesson and then just move on. Mm. You know, this, this beating yourself up, um, yeah. you know, finger pointing and, oh, you lost this. I, I just think these are all the hallmarks of, of inexperience. And, um, you know, once you've made enough losses, I think you should actually take a lot of pride in the losses you make. They're your battle scars. They're yeah. where your lessons are learned. And they're an important part of getting better. So I will zip your battle uh, scar? No, I'm really defending Nathan here because right. I haven't yeah. touched yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. I, I, actually, I actually think in that context, you have to, every, every month, look at what you have yeah. and you go, 
is the thesis changed? What, yeah. you know, it's a, yeah, sure, share price can fall. But in, in your, you have a portfolio, does that make sense? What kind of exposures you wanted in your portfolio? Does that make sense? Yeah. And for us, that was the reason why we got into Zip. Hasn't changed yeah. and the logic hasn't moved. And yeah. so for us, that still makes sense. So we are still there. So I think you have to do that. But at the same time, the concept that you are investing in a market at all time high multiples and not expect to lose money on one or two stocks, yeah. it oh, is, no. it's mathematically would you, impossible. Would Look, you be nibbling? No, I, I've said from uh, a long time, even while Zip was ripping, I said this, that I, I do not believe in this buy now, pay later thing. I've lost, you know, I mean, been wrong on it. Clearly it's a thing and people have made lots of money on it. But, you know, you've got to do what you, you're comfortable with. I'm just not comfortable yeah. with this and yeah. I, I don't know anything about the business and I don't think I've any insight. I've been yeah. in and out of Zip about three or four <laughs> yeah. times yes. and just got too scared. <laughs> and I've said, yeah. right, I've got to forget about the sector altogether. Yeah. Just yeah. with my, where I am. Uh, all right, let's uh, check the first five stocks. Uh, Samfire Resources, a hold from Maitland, a no from Gorov. Latitude, a no from both, basically uh, from Gorov a sell. Uh, Atiris, um, and Tiris rather, take profits, um, take 30 or 40% off the top. You've had a great run, but really interesting company from Maitland, a hold from Gorev, Mount Ridley, a hold from both. Auckland International Airport, a yes from both. Uh, Zip, a nibble from Maitland, and a no from, uh, from Gorev. Uh, checking in on our current fantasy portfolio, the Calls Fantasy Portfolio, we've been tracking since the 1st of July 2020. Going to do this for the last time because we start our uh, high conviction fund tomorrow. Uh, for the week, down 5%, the month 6%. Year to date, down 1.19%. This is after the trouncing the market took last week. Mm. Since uh, 1st of July 2020, uh, up 33% now. The Investment Committee meeting for the first time today in preparation to reveal the new call portfolio tomorrow. It's a live fund, smaller basket of stocks, still using your requests uh, from the experts buy, hold or sell recommendations every day on the call um, as the first filter, but then those stocks will be elevated to the Investment Committee. For example, Auckland International Airport will go to the investment committee in the next month or so to see whether it should go in to the calls high conviction fund and we'll check in every month. And we'll have a special edition of the call to take you inside the investment committee's meeting. Uh, the whole point is so you can see how the experts discuss portfolio construction and the different investment styles that they have. So keep sending in your requests for us to, uh, of the stocks you want us to cover here on the call, the first full committee meeting to find out the stocks will be on Tuesday afternoon. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. All right, this half hour of the call, Aurora, Camplify, Dust, Clearview and 29 Metals is coming up. Again, you couldn't get a more diverse <laughs> bunch of yeah. stocks than that. Uh, let's kick it off with uh, Aurora. Sam says, can I get an assessment from the Dream Team? Gaurav Amathan, oh, Sam, I think you're going a bit overboard <laughs> uh, regarding the latest Aurora results. Mm. They're finally some positive signs from the American business and free cash flow is rising. Of course, they're the uh, big packaging uh, business. What do you think, Gaurav, of Aurora? Were you impressed with the results? Look, they're okay. Uh, um, the, the thing that comes to mind really is just how steady this business is. Uh, so as the, as the viewer- So is that a good thing? Well, it means you have to be very mindful of the price you pay because there is mm. no growth here. Right. And, and um, despite the results, I still think that um, there's very little growth. And what concerns me is where the growth is actually coming from. So if, you, if we take a step back for a moment, Aurora has two businesses really. One is an Australian business, which right. used to actually belong to Amcorp um, pre the separation. And they dominate in providing glass and um, 
what's the other thing, Nathan? They do glass and cans. Yeah, yep. glass and cans, um, which they are. I think from memory, they're number one in both those things, and they do do it really, really well. They make really strong margins, twenty percent right. margins from right. uh, from dominating in cans and and uh, and glass. I can never remember those two. Yeah, cans <laughs> and glass. Yeah. Um, but the other part, if that's all Aurora was, I'd be kind of interested. You know, they generate a lot of cash, good margins, yep. incredibly strong competitive position, hard to dislodge. Um, uh, then they went over to the US, and in the US they've got a couple of different things they're doing. One of them which I don't really like is they specialize in in, um, in bespoke in-store displays. So if you're a, a lolly shop and you're doing a ha- big Halloween and you need a big witch costume and, uh, and things like that, these guys will, will, will print and manufacture all those things for you. Um, and I don't think that's a wonderful business. And they've got a traditional kind of um, packaging business in, in the US as well. Boxes and things like that. Um, yeah. I don't uh, know the particulars of it, but, but yeah, it's, it, yep. it's, a, it's a traditional um, packaging business. And they earn about 6% margins on that. Oh. It's, it's a much more competitive business. They don't have the, um, the scale moats that they have in Australia. Um, and so from my point of view, what's happening is that you, you've got this really high margin, strong cash flow, reliable cash flow coming from Australia, getting redeployed as contestable, low margin and lower returning uh, cash flow from the US. And I think the reason they're doing that is because the quantum of cash coming from the mm. US is better. But I'm not interested in the quantum of cash. I'm interested in return on capital. And right. it's just not that good in the US. I, I think this is a average business at best. I'm concerned about the capital allocation of management. Although, look, to be fair to them, they're actually, in this result, they allocated capital really sensibly. Lots of dividends coming out. Um, everything is steady. Margins are steady. Um, but they are earning less money than they were five years ago. And I think yeah. that's the problem. You've got to be very careful about the price you pay. Mm. And I think this price is is excessive. I actually Good. would sell this and come back to it at another stage. Okay. Nathan? No, it's getting boring. I'm agreeing with him too much. <laughs> no, I know. Um, what's happened? Uh, look, it's the, the model. I, I like the packaging. Uh, we're a big fans of Amcor. Um, mm. I think they spun out of Amcor. Same, yep. um, yeah. And they've sold assets, rebuilt the business. And it's actually doing well. Yeah, it's doing I, well. I don't think anything's wrong with it. But Graham's right. I mean, there's not a lot of upside. You are, you know, it's good business, and mm. these are trading stocks. Um, and if you buy them cheap enough, and if you've got the best player in the market, um, then you hold them for the long term for the yield play. So we look at Amcor that way. Um, so I prefer Amcor. Um, if you look at what happened in the last set of results, so in July, August, again, when the result was solid, ORA jumped to around the same levels, and then it faded. Yeah. And I suspect we're going to see the same thing. Five year uh, high. Yeah, so you, you're like in that cycle where, uh, look, it's good, but it's priced for that. But yeah. I don't think it's a great business model, right? Okay. So when you're in a not so great business models, you want the best guy. And for me, the best guy is still Amcor. Yep. And so Amcor has actually been beaten up a bit after going XDIP. So you're getting a bit of a discount uh, on the trading range over the last four months. So I would look at Amcor. Mm. Uh, for me, ORA, look, they're doing well, but yeah, Gaurav's right. I mean, where are they going to, the, the problem with these kind of models is they're good at what they do. If they want to grow more, they have yeah, to take risk. That's right. And, yeah. we, and the problem is investors, just like what Gaurav said, they want that return, but they don't want the risk. So yeah. minute you go and take, it's like when Telstra tried to go into Asia and so forth. Every time someone does something to do get growth, mm. yeah. the market goes, oh, get me out. So that's okay. the problem with them. So All right. um, I don't think it's worthwhile. Not right for now. you and call the preference. Patrick wants a view, Nathan, on Camplify. Uh, Patrick says, both of you have been pretty complimentary on Camplify in the past. Hoping to hear what they think after the latest batch of results. Yeah, uh, look, I think we, when we looked at it first time, we were both positive, yeah. and you know, it was, it was a pretty good model. And what they were doing, they were doing a lot of things mm. very quickly, which was always a high risk, but they did well. Yeah. Uh, and then it ran ridiculously well. Yeah. Uh, and I think when we looked at it, then we said, well, I remember saying, you should take. I'm always a take fan of taking profits. some profit and yeah. then come back yeah. later. Yep. And I, I still see it. It's come off. And it was, I think it came up just before Christmas. Yeah. So, so that October, November, yep. where you're around the 450, yeah. You did say take profit. Yeah, so. I said yeah. take some profit. Mm. It's not brain surgery, right? Um, I yeah. mean, it's a growth stock early. We know the growth stocks are going to struggle. We know the techs are going to struggle. Yeah. And this was a byproduct of that. I still like the stock, mm. but I still think it probably goes lower right. uh, while the cycle plays out. So, you know, you're in a cycle, don't fight the cycle. Just ride the wave. So if you took some profit, I wouldn't jump in now. It's yeah. it's probably a candidate for nibble over the next month or so. 
and yeah. I'd, I'd be lining up to get in over the next couple of months. I think it's got a great outlook. Management has done well so, so far. I'm not disappointed by them, but I just think market gets overly excited and then mm. gets overly bearish. Okay. So you've got a time. Sorry, I, I, was, I laugh when, when Nathan said it's not rocket uh, science because in our office, we used to have a big, um, a big sign printed out and, and hung it in the office so everyone could see it. It was a quote from Lindsay Lohan, of all people. You never thought you'd see Lindsay Lohan in an investment <laughs> office. But she, she once said, um, it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> 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 and that's become a, um, we use that in presentations. Right. It's become a catch okay. cry of, of intelligent investor that right. it's not rocket surgery. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, keep it simple. But uh, sorry, I had a little giggle at that. Um, Camplify, yes, <laughs> back to Camplify. Uh, I own it, um, and I've owned it for a while. Um, it's done better than I would have expected, to be honest. Mm. I bought this as a pure spec, um, and look, I know the viewers asking about the results, and um, let's cover them quickly. They, they, were, they were good, I thought. Um, all the important things you want to see are happening. Everything's going in the right direction. You know, you've got uh, more assets on the on the on the site. Um, you've got more customers. The take rates, astonishing actually. The take rate is sort of thirty percent, probably higher than I would like to wow. see it. I think that probably gets com goes down from here. Um, and the they're growing particularly well in those um, overseas markets, which I wasn't sure how they would go. So it's it's going really really well. They can use equity um, to go buy competitors, which they are doing. So it, that's all well, but. The investment case is not about a single set of results. This is a pretty infant platform going for a large market, trying to be mm. the dominant provider to um, uh, the, you know, the Airbnb of the caravan set. Yeah. And the opportunity here is to dominate that and, and to be the monopoly provider of, of that um, category. And if they can do that, you're going to make multiples, multiples of your money. These these platforms, um, these marketplace platforms, are some of the best businesses you will find anywhere when they work. And when they don't work, they quickly fail. So those are the outcomes here, and so far it's all working. I would forget about these results, really. And this is a stock for me. I, I've just closing my eyes and holding for five or six years. Uh, management's good. All the trajectory is good. <coughs> I don't worry too much about valuation. Nathan was correct when he said it had run up too much and should take in profits. I didn't. My view is that this has the potential to be sort of an $800 billion business over time. Mm. And I want to be around for that. So I'm going to hold it and see how it goes. Right. So would you buy on the pullback now? Or Look, it's not. Hold it? For me, it's not quite uh, okay. attractive enough to buy. But as I said, okay. it's, good, it's good to hold. Yeah. All right. Ellie wants a view, um, Gaurav, on Dusk, mm. the, uh, the candle fragrance diffuser company. A, a, Sort of recent listing as well, uh, 115 stores throughout Australia. Yeah, a, a real um, mystery to a lot of investors. Um, I said this about Lavisa last week, but sometimes you get these retailers that um, are, they're marketed towards niches that are completely unfamiliar to the professional investor. Yeah. Certainly true of Lavisa, you know, the 13, 15 year old girl. Yeah. And I'd say certainly true of Dusk, and and Dusk has been, I think, um, forgotten and a bit um, maligned by the professional investor yep. community. Um, it's actually a, a pretty good retailer. We've had a bit of a look at this and we, we, we I don't own it. Um, we don't own the fund. It's not a buy it intelligent investor, not yet. It's just yep. on my watch list, but it is a good retailer. I think the management is superb. Um, they've got, they've, they've changed this business. They bought it, it, Dusk was a specialist candle maker from mm. WA uh, way back. And um, when the current mob got hold of it, they actually paired it with the dares, so it was in the same structure with the dares, and right. they made the same changes. They um, sold their manufacturing capacity, outsourced everything. They get specialist fragrances over from Europe, um, and they get the candles made in Asia. And this is a big marketing operation with beautiful stores, um, a good a good team that does um, that does fit outs and rents, um, and an excellent marketing team, and a really really strong uh, membership. You see all those things with the dares. So uh, these two businesses remain joined at the hip even though they're, they're separate separate mm. entities um, look it looks very very cheap but my concern about it is that I think COVID has brought forward a lot of demand yeah. um, the thing that scared me off it when I first looked at it at about three dollars was that um, same store sales had doubled over one year um, and it just looked ridiculous it looked crazy the number of revenue the amount of revenue that was going through a single store I actually think same store sales are, could halve again over oh. the next few years. Okay. They're rolling out stores. <clears throat> I don't think it's a bad business. <clears throat> I just think um, the results flatter it. And you just okay. want to see 
if these numbers are sustainable. I would, I would hold it if I'm here. Interesting yep. retailer, keep her on your list, but just hold. But watch it. Mm. Yep. Ivan? Oh, finally, something I can disagree. Oh, uh, <laughs> yes, what do you got? Look, <laughs> I, I think the retail sector is hard. Mm. You know, I, I think a lot of people are overly excited about uh, rampant spending coming. Uh, it's not coming. Uh, it's a lot of that mm. analysis is based on aggregate savings, mm. and that's heavily weighted at the top end. Majority okay. of the people, the bottom 50, 60% don't have that. Okay. Uh, and I think we'll see that over the next couple of okay. years. I think it's going to get tougher. So you've got to be really, you know, very specific about retail sector. Uh, you know, you, there's only a few really good guys and they've proven themselves post pandemic. And the rest of them just had boosted earnings that are going to run into reality. So you've got to be really careful. When the numbers look cheap in retail, run away. Mm. Yeah, that that's, means that's a good lesson, that's actually. That's always true. run away. Yeah. It's like for the, you know, my whole career, yeah. Maya, looks cheap, looks cheap, looks yeah. cheap, looks yeah. cheap. <laughs> and it's been looking cheap all cheaper. the way down. Yeah, it's just got <laughs> cheaper. Yeah. So yeah. it's one thing, I, yeah. you know, working with some number of really good retail analysts, I yeah. learned that it should look expensive. Yeah, right. LaVisa. And, 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 and yeah. it should look expensive and interest rates should be going up. Because if the interest rates are going up, you're spending too much. Mm. Right. Right? And the numbers are good. We're in a completely warped cycle where interest rates are all-time lows and you know these guys have had all these handouts and everyone's done well so you've got to be careful um in the classic term dust till dawn um yeah <laughs> this is in the dusk okay no need to go in wait for the numbers to turn mm. and you're right i think the expectations are too high i think the numbers will get cut over the next six to 12 months and then you'll start to see the recovery mm. i think it's one on the shopping list but it's not a buy okay mm. Uh, Damien wants to be on Clearview, the financial services group in life insurance, wealth management and financial advice. Yeah, they've sold, um, I think, the advice. The advice um, business. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I have to give credit. Um, an analyst I used to work with picked it at the bottom. Ooh. And it, this was getting belted, mm. right? I mean, yeah. it was going to nothing. And he put a bar on it. I said, are you kidding? <laughs> That's <laughs> a good sign often. When, I know. Yeah. And he's, everyone thinks you're he's, crazy. And he's... You know, to his credit, and I'll say it, and I'm not going to say his name, but he's a bit Asperger's like me. Right. So he, I, I don't think he cared what I said, mm. but I know he, he, the way he approaches it. And I went, yeah, he's a bit of a nut. But the fact that he's looking at it, I said, oh, I better look at this. And then he was bang on. It mm. turned, and the thematic turned around, right. and they just went boom, right? And it's gone triple since then. So look, credit to him. Um, and he knows who he is, so I'll leave that. Um, but look, it's a thematic play, it's a market play, um, and I think it's had a lot of tailwinds that's boosted it to where it is, and management's done well on the yeah, cleanup. I, I give them credit. Yeah. So if you held it and you've had the run, uh, hold it. Uh, I think they're mm. okay. Um, okay. I, if it's fresh money, I don't think there's a lot of upside for you. Correct. Yeah, I think management's okay here as well, actually. Yeah. You're right. Um, I thought the sale of the financial advice business was quite savvy, mm. and, and they did it by taking, I think they took an equity stake in Centerpoint Alliance rather than the cash, which I think, again, could prove to be um, a savvy mm. outcome. They've still got um, a life insurance business, which accounts for 90% of earnings, and they've got a, um, it's a wealth business, isn't it? And that's about yep. 10% of earnings. Forget about that. Um, this is a life insurance business. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when we got trained in insurance companies, we, as I said, we've got a, a mentor who comes in and trains us. And when we got trained on investment companies, he said to us, Right, life, the section on life insurance was just one line. He just said, forget about it. <laughs> Went through a lot of detail with the other insurance and life insurance, just forget about it. And um, that's generally my view as well. This is maybe the most technically complex uh, business line you'll come across. Right. Uh, the accounting is very difficult. You need, you need to have to make a lot of actuarial assumptions. The revenue line means very little. The, the analyst I was talking about? Yeah. Actually. He's that guy. You, ha you have to be. Yeah. I, I don't, I think this is impenetrable for the average investor. Right. Um, and I include myself in that mob as well. Um, I, I just can't. Life insurance okay. is too hard. Yeah. All right. You, you, if you know what you're doing, I think it looks interesting. Management's good. But if you don't know, which is probably most of us, I, I would just stay away. Okay. Yeah. Cameron, final stop. We're going to finish mm. with copper. Uh, no, 29 metals. Finishing with copper. Cam <laughs> Cameron wants to be on yeah. 29 metals. Recently listed, spun out of private equity, mm. uh, which always is a red <laughs> flag. Uh, so surely they have repurposed or recapitalised their copper portfolio to make the most of ESG tailwinds in the market. Uh, Owen Hegarty at the helm, uh, does it bode well? Yeah, Owen Hegarty was the fellow uh, who did uh, Ox Minerals, which later became uh, um, Oz Minerals. 
Right. Oxy- Oxiana, sorry, Oxiana. Oxiana, right. Um, yep. I think I got that right. Yeah, yeah. And then that became Oz Mineral. So he's got some pedigree in the industry, knows it well. I think this was his private business and then right. uh, came out of PE. Uh, the genesis is not very appealing, to be honest. Buying a, a cyclical mining stock out of private equity when commodity prices are booming, your chances of making money are very, very What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The assets themselves, I, I would say they're just okay. Uh, right. Golden Grove is a well-known, um, well-understood copper mine. Right. They've got some ideas about how they're going to develop it. They've got a good team of technical people. They may well get there. But this is a two-point-something billion-dollar business. It's not a. Yeah. It's an okay mine. The stuff they got in Chile is unproven. They've got another mine in Queensland, which I just think is okay. Look, um, there's nothing wrong with this business. There's some good people running it, but as I said, the genesis gives me really mm. scares me. Uh, you know that list: private equity, um, a private business, record pri- commodity prices, and an IPO does not go well together. Keep it on your watch list. It might be interesting when yeah. prices are lower, but this is not the time to buy this stock. Yeah. I think it ticks all your red flags. Yeah, it's, it's just going <laughs> bing, 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 bing. Uh, but look, at the end of the day, mm. we want good quality copper stocks. Yeah. Mm. So if anyone can deliver o- over the mm. next six to 12 months, That's true. this is going to get attention. Mm. I'm just, I don't like IPOs, especially private, private equity my IPOs. And when it comes to mining, it's like another layer of risk. Mm. Uh, so, and the thing is, if you look at most of the broker data, the consensus is only 10, 15% upside. I'm going, it's a mining stock, yeah. and I can get more than 10, 15% in Osmin at this point. Yep. So why would I take the risk? I'll go for the best in the, in the sector. So I, I don't see the attraction yet, but again, it's, you know, it's like other copper stocks. I'm keeping a lot of copper stocks on the line mm. because I think there's a cycle where it comes off and then it gets interesting. Mm. And this is, um, yeah, again, I did not actually know about this one, so now it's added to my copper list to keep okay. an eye on. So keep an eye on, but keep not, for eye, not for All now. All right. Let's recap the uh, final five stocks, uh, Aurora, uh, Asil from Mathan, um, uh, from Gorab, uh, a no from Mathan, he prefers Amcor in that sector. Uh, Camplify, a hold from Gorab, a nibble from uh, Mathan, both like the, the business and the management. Uh, Dusk, keep it on your watch list for uh, Gorab, it's a hold, a no from Mathan. Clearview, a no, and 29 Metals, a no. Um, Gareb Sodi, good to see you, mate. Nice to be here. Yeah. Thank you, gentlemen. Kicking off the week, Nathan, likewise. <laughs> yeah. Good to see you. What's happening? See you for the Investment Committee uh, tomorrow afternoon. It'll be great. Uh, any stocks you'd like us to cover here on the call, put them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Don't forget you can find all the stocks in the call's fantasy portfolio, osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.